This is Blockbuster Film School. This is Blockbuster Film School. What are you? We're the Blockbuster Film School. I'll tell you what, it's nice to be here again. We've missed you. I'm Alex Bonner, one of your professors here at the Blockbuster Film School, joined as always by the headmaster of the Blockbuster Film School, Mr. Nicholas Souter. Am I supposed to be high energy today? You can be whatever. You can be mid-energy. Hi! Hello! <laughs> Just so everybody knows, Nicholas is wearing a full cowl and cape today. He is in... The full regalia. It's the weekday. Of course I am. <laughs> Look, you got to stop evil and crime and uh, also just beat people up because you're mad at them. We're not entirely sure. We'll talk about it. Also, we are joined. If you're Ben Affleck, you're going to use a machine gun, just plow people down oh, to the warehouse. Yeah. If you're Zack Snyder, you don't understand the idea of the difference between two different characters, which we will also go into. We are joined by our super producer, Mr. Brian Tapps. Hold on. I have something for those. Oh, yeah. What is oh, <laughs> and moving on <laughs> it's nice to hear his voice on the mic <laughs> we are doing a very fabulous episode a movie character a comic book character an american icon a part of the american mythology if you will the batman today in cinema maybe the first character who appeared in cinema from comic books and also, maybe the hottest takes of any <laughs> comic book character who's ever been. Wait, what about Moses? He was in a comic book. He was. He was. He was the first one. He was the first superhero. He was like, I've had enough of this Egyptian yeah. bullshit. And then he like charged up Goku style and was like, that's <laughs> He parted the Red Sea. He did sea. his super move. It was like, eat this, Ramses. I remember how the Bible worked. Yeah. <laughs> Great graphic novel. Oh, mm, Frank Miller. So- we're going to go into it about the Batman in cinema. There's quite a bit to talk about in many, many different eras, but we'll start with our usual thing. Nicholas, what was the first Batman movie that you ever saw? Well, the first Batman, how do you say it? Like a lat- Batman? First <laughs> Batman movie I saw. <laughs> I'm Steve Batman. I'm your Steve, lawyer. I'm Steve Batman. <laughs> nice to meet you. Batman. Steve Batman. <laughs> the first Batman movie I saw technically was the... Adam I want to see Vince Vaughn. It's Adam West, not Vince Vaughn. <laughs> was the Adam West one, but I don't remember. I haven't seen that in 30 years. That's fair. To you younger people, that's how old you'll be in six years. <laughs> but I don't remember that at all. The first movie I saw in theaters, mm. not a drive-in, was Tim Burton's Batman. It's I love that movie. A classic. It made me want to direct films. Yes. And it also made me want to wear turtlenecks. Now, <laughs> since this is a podcast and I'm not living a successful life, oh, you can guess disagree. Wh- strong disagree. Economically. No, there you go. Nobody you can, <laughs> you can guess which one of those two I achieved. <laughs> also, I don't know, maybe why I was simpatico. I saw that movie and it made me want to destroy museums. But I agree entirely. Maybe this is why we are both Blockbuster Film School professors, but... I also saw on VHS and also was a huge fan of the Adam West TV show in syndication. Loved it. My dad said to me, there's a movie that came out in theaters, the Adam West Batman movie. 
And that movie you could watch right now. And I said, give it to me, you old man. And then I slapped him in the face. And then we went to Blockbuster and I rented it. And Adam West is wearing a skin tight outfit, even though he is just a, I assume at the time, a 45 year old man (laughs) just hanging out with a 15 year old boy. And there is some choice stuff in there in the original Adam West Batman, which we will get into. And then also, I did see at the drive-in, at the Rosemont Horizon, at the drive-in, as in the Tim Burton 1989 Batman, my brain and my soul separated from my body, and I went into the ether during that. Like that Postal Service song. For real. There were moments in my life before I saw Tim Burton's Batman and then my life after I saw Tim Burton's Batman. And we'll talk about that. But there's a lot of very interesting Batman stuff. We're just going to go into it just a little bit. Nothing too crazy in terms of the history, but it is interesting because Batman was created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger. Yes, his name is Bill Finger. Stop giggling. Stop. (laughs) And in the 27th issue of Detective Comics on March 30th, 1939. And there are big movie influences on Bob Kane and Bill Finger's even initial idea of what Batman is. They took a lot of heroes different than, say, Superman. They decided to go on some of these darker black hat cowboy movies. They decided to go with some of these characters like Zorro, particularly Zorro, which would come back even in the the creation of Batman that Bruce Wayne's parents are shot outside of them going to the movies, seeing Zorro, and that got so ingrained in his little super rich Republican head that he was like, I'm going to teach all these criminal libtards a lesson. And that also in the first issue the best villain in the history of comic books, possibly the Joker, which we will also talk about, was created in that very first issue. Real fast. Yes. What was in the 26th episode of Detective Comics? Uh, Not not Batman. <laughs> not Batman. Okay. <laughs> People were like, where the fuck is Batman? And then they said to themselves, okay, you know what? I think we should go with Batman from now on. Detective Comics had some other cool stuff, some characters who would come back, Dr. Fate and things like that, but nothing like Batman. The Joker was also based, we go back, if you're a Blockbuster Film School listener, the silent era in Germany when there were still cool artists in the 1920s before the fascists would take over. There was a lot of influential things, particularly a movie called The Man Who Laughs, which was made by Paul Lenny and had a character called Gwynplaine, which was an evil clown. And if you want to do yourself a favor and look it up, he most certainly looks and behaves and acts like the Joker. And and we'll talk about lots of stuff about how transcendent the idea of the Bat character, the vengeful character, the revenge masked man, all that kind of stuff is so important. And it so quintessentially works perfectly with movies and possibly why it's the character that of all the comic book characters has in a lot of ways worked best in movies. I know that the Avengers has made more money and I know that Superman makes, but really just of one character from comic books in movies. I don't think there's anything that works more synonymously with different eras than the Batman. So we'll talk about that. And from that less than 20 years later, 
1943 and 1946, they'd make a couple of Batman movies. I've seen pieces of them. Have you ever seen any of those, Nick? Nah. They're, now this is going to surprise you, they're pretty bizarre <laughs> and and kind of, you know, a middle-aged guy showing up, wearing a skin tight. Hey, the commies are coming, you sons of bitches. Like, I'm tired of the Japanese army. This kind of stuff, you know, and... So Steve McQueen playing himself. B- basically, yes. And it fed into that element where comic books are exclusively for children. They're just for little delinquent children. And Hollywood would, for a long time, feel that comic books are not really art, but they are enough to get nickels out of children's pockets. So they would make comic book movies, but they would just be for kids. These kids are stupid assholes, and we'll make movies for them. Also, if you're listening to this and you're unfamiliar with Batman, just one little thing. Normally, it's Bruce Wayne, but other people have worn the cowl. And Bruce Wayne, when he was a kid, his rich parents, he was very rich, they took him to the movies because they were like, we got to shut this kid up. And they Or if you're uh, Jack Snyder, his parents are so rich, they rented out the Aragon Ballroom (laughs) up in Uptown. And then we're like, show us Zorro and put it on the marquee. Well, anybody else in? Yes. And then why would they want to shoot us? Well, it turns out when they came out of the movie theater, they were accosted in Gotham City by some ruffians, depending on which story. In the original comics, it's a guy named Joe Cool. In later stuff, it's different people. But somebody accosts them and they shoot Bruce Wayne's parents in cold blood. And kid Bruce Wayne sees this and his brain melts. And he decides that he's going to be a sad boy for a while. But then his ex-special forces adopted dad slash butler slash slave, Alfred, decides to kind of train him a little bit. And he's like, oh, wait, I'm angry. I have political clout and money. I can actually do whatever the fuck I want. And Bruce Wayne, depending on however, that is a dark way to see it. On the other side, Bruce Wayne decides that after his parents are murdered, he's going to spend the rest of his life trying to put a more noble and more, what he believes is a more honorable adventure and action into Gotham City and save the city that he loves, save the city that he feels responsible for and use his power, use his money for something good that he even in certain ways felt that his parents couldn't do. And we'll get into all of these kind of crazy things that he then gets ninja training and that he takes on people like Superman, even though he has no actual superpowers. He just is a smart, angry, rich dude, right? He is the CEO of Goths. Yes. (laughs) Correct. Correct. So after that, hilariously, though, there's the 1943 Batman, 1946 Batman, but really it comes back in the 60s. And they decide, television decides that they're going to make a television show called Batman. And it is a huge hit. Stars Adam West. And it's a laugh riot. (laughs) It actually is amazingly funny and cool. It created things that we still have as jokes. When someone gets punched in the face and then 
a screen pops up that says, bam, we just are like, oh, Batman, it's funny. Or like as a transition or Batman, like it's so ridiculous and campy. They created kitsch in one moment where they had a out of shape guy who has a cool voice play Batman and dress up like a hipster on Halloween <laughs> and fight famous, hilarious actors like Burgess Meredith and Cesar Romero and Eartha Kitt. And I'm not going to lie and say that I wasn't sexualized by how hot Batgirl is in that outfit where there's a woman dressed like Batgirl that the Batgirl costume is a skin tight costume that is sparkly purple. It's bizarre. It doesn't make any sense. But part of the thing is that there's all this bat nonsense where there's a bat copter and a bat dildo and a bat chainsaw and a bat helmet. Like that nonsense was actually a street drug back in the TV show. <laughs> I think it was pretty close to Quaaludes. It was, it might've been the grandfather to Quaaludes. Interesting. Cause if you stay awake long enough, you get a pretty nice high. Yeah. You get a pretty nice bat high. Excuse me. And it worked well as Kitsch in the 60s. And then it bled into a lot of other artists because it stayed in syndication and stayed in the consciousness. But it's very, very interesting because it's so drastically different than the Bob Kane, Bill Finger Batman that was super dark, super vicious. And this is very, very fun. Yeah, this is basically like every Italian Gallo film. It's just all (laughs) bright colors except there's just an old man who can't get his legs above his knee and somehow he's ninja kicking people in the face. and like, <laughs> Which is also why they had the BAM screen. Yeah. That way you didn't have to actually watch Adam West do stunts. You know who needs those is Steven Seagal. Oh, it, you know what's funny? It's like kind of genius. It's like no one actually wants yeah. to see this guy do it. So when he moves to punch someone, it just says BAM! And then that guy is flying through the air. It's actually kind of genius. Also, as a joke... It would say bam, wham, and then as it went along in the fight, it would say like spleeg, nerg, like nonsense. It would just be insanity because in the 60s, they were high as kites. They were high as goddamn On bat kites. nonsense. On bat weed. So it's such a absolute cultural phenomenon, though. It is a huge popular television show. Adam West is a huge star. And Burt Ward, I mean, there is... Huge, huge stars, Batman and Robin, and... Let's be honest. Mm. No one's ever given a shit about Burt Ward. I couldn't remember <laughs> his name right now. <laughs> and you just said it. Kids want to see the original? <laughs> no, they don't. Wait, I tried to tell you, he's 85 years old, and he's, he's dead. dead. <laughs> You're right. But I'm pretty sure Burt Ward is still running around signing autographs, or he's dead. I'm not sure. But... Adam West Batman is still such a cultural hit that for a while, Adam West was still running around as the mayor in Family Guy. You know, Adam West and that voice. Well, I'll tell you something, Robin. I've had enough of your antics. There's this very weird, I don't, there's kind of a breathy Batman voice where I'm going to solve a thing. And Batman has a secret bookshelf that he hits a button and then he goes down to the bat cave and he calls people on a bat phone and rides in a bat copter and it's nonsense yeah and it culminates in 1966 with batman the movie which i greatly enjoy because that's really what it's called and they even were being kitschy and clever and called it batman the movie and i don't remember the plot i assume batman has to fight it's all of the villains and at one point a shark 
jumps onto Batman's leg, a fake shark, and he pulls out of his bat belt, bat shark repellent, and sprays Aquanet hairspray all over a fake shark, and the shark falls off of his leg. And I don't know what else to say about that movie than than that. <laughs> Do you have any other thoughts on the... <laughs> Nick is really thinking about this. Uh, there's so many jokes. My brain just hurts. It's it's just so bad. <laughs> it's such a dumb. It's it's exact. It, it's truly embracing dumb. But it's but kids loved it. Kids loved it. I was like, oh man, a shark! Oh, shark sucked on his leg and didn't bite it. <laughs> Shark's got no teeth. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But the thing that is most important is this is the first time that Batman appears on the big screen in 20 years. This is the first time. That as a cultural phenomenon, Batman appears on the big screen. And it's very campy. It's very cheesy. It's a joke. It's a big comedy. It's very opposite of the character. So what then happens, though, is we go into the 70s and the 80s. And people like, say, Tim Burton register these things. And they're mad because they're goth mad. Okay? They're goth mad a little bit about some of their goth heroes. Except on Fridays, they're in love. Exactly. That is correct. And in the 70s, they also make the Superman movies, which are big hits, particularly the first two. So Hollywood starts to soften up to their take on making superhero movies because they had just always assumed they were stupid. But a campy Batman movie had made a lot of money and the Christopher Reeve, Richard Donner, Superman movies had made a bunch of money. So they decide, well, we're going to make another superhero movie. And Tim Burton, he had made Pee-wee's Big Adventure, which was a big surprise hit. And then he had made Beetlejuice, which was a insane surprise across the board hit. And with that clout, he decided that he was going to, as Tim Burton would do, he was going to bite off a big old piece of Hollywood and he was going to pitch another superhero movie to Warner Brothers who had made the Superman movies with the DC license and they were complete lunatics. And he decides, and they greenlight the 1989 Batman movie, which changes the entire game. And I would make the argument changes all of Hollywood all the way through. Nick, just general take. I know we talk about it all the time, but what's your general take on the 89 Tim Burton Batman movie? When I first saw it, it was greater than I thought something could be. <laughs> it was the best thing ever. Jack Nicholson is fucking insane. <laughs> He's super over the top. He's as over the top as, I want to say George Romero. It's Cesar Romero. But he does Caesar it Romero. in such a deadly way. Yes. But here's the other thing. Seeing it older, it's full of plot holes and nothing makes sense. But at the same time, who gives a fuck? Who gives a fuck? Like, yeah, he's got a ring pop, and he shakes somebody's hand, and then the dude turns into a fucking skeleton. Now, Also, Robert Wool is in it. Let's not forget that. Yes. <laughs> he loves potato salad. Now, you have all this stuff, and it just makes no sense, but it feels real. Yes. You have Jack Nicholson, great actor. Kim Basinger, she's great in this. And I'm going to say it now, you have the best Batman of all time. Ooh. Beetlejuice in curly-haired mullet, mm. Michael Keaton. 
also the introduction of him. Yeah. I love that scene. We're not sure if it like, obviously we know it's him because we know that Michael Keaton is Batman. Plus he's in the trailer and the commercial. He's in the trailer and stuff, but it's still, it's such a nice little. Yeah, it's great. It doesn't, doesn't matter. You saw it before because the first time you see it is the first time you saw it. Yes. And it's perfect. And I love Michael Keaton's version of both Bruce Wayne and Batman. I love his weird understated Batman. This very, what are you, man? I'm Batman. Like this very soft-spoken, slow-paced, like also some of the stuff that Tim Burton does in that movie sticks in my head forever. His creation of the Batmobile out of an old Corvette, but then the Danny Elfman score, which we've talked about a little bit, but according to legend, Tim Burton wanted to use Danny Elfman. Warner Brothers didn't want to use Danny Elfman. They were like, the Simpsons guy? What are you talking about? We want something more like John Williams, like Superman. And he had Danny Elfman record the full theme march of Batman, and he played it for the Warner Brothers executives, and they were like, yeah, okay. All right. All right, rock and roll. Let's do it. That's fine. That's great. Great job. And- They play one of the moodier pieces of Danny Elfman when Batman has Vicki Vale, Kim Basinger, in the car and they're driving towards the Batcave and the leaves are blowing everywhere and it's dark. Everything is dark. It's dark like old Batman. Batman's costume is black, but with, granted, also I'll give Tim Burton this. It's so late 80s and so early 90s, but perfect. The gold logo over the black, which Batman had never had a gold logo, but it somehow works. It's perfect. It's so dope. It looks like a car logo. It's rad. And also I remember as a kid in the theater before the movie had come out, just seeing a black poster. It says nothing. It says nothing. It just says summer and it has the black Batman logo. Like, fuck you, little kid. You don't know what this is. You don't know what it's Batman, you little piece of shit. I, my brain, I couldn't handle the idea. And my parents, my goofy ass parents, they went to see it in the theater without me before. And I was losing my mind. And then. So well, you broke your dad's clavicle? Later, but he didn't know that. But they went to see it to make sure it was like okay for kids or whatever. And then to my dad's credit, the next night loved it so much. He was like, all right, let's go. <laughs> let's go. Like, and we saw it at the drive-in movie theater. And yes, it's amazing. But as I was saying that there's so much moody, cool shit with the music and the, the car and Jack Nicholson. It was truly a heat wave for movies. And in terms of comic book movies and theaters, there is before Batman and then there is after Batman. And after Batman, there would be this great grab. But I would love to hear any other takes you have on the Tim Burton Batman. I know it's one of your favorites, and it's got a mood. Yes, one of the first movies I remember seeing that have a straight up mood. Parts of it are goofy and like, but it transitions easily. It like spins on a dime. Mm. You have the parade scene, and it's a big party. Prince is playing. They shoot Bob, who oh. I thought was his number one guy. <laughs> You're my number one. But then, one. like Jack Palance, the blue, Jack Palance is so good. Or a woman. Yeah. <laughs> yes. One of the little problems with the movie. Oh, 
The Joker is slightly misogynistic. I know this because he's a a murderous maniac. Batman, I'm sorry, Batman fat shames Kim Basinger. Mm -hmm. So fuck off for that. But then, so you have everything like the balloons disappear. He crashes the bat jet, whatever the fuck it's called, (laughs) the bat wing. The bat plane. The bat plane. That's the worst name. You're right, though. Which has a weird hooks in the back to specifically grab giant inflatable babies in diapers leaking toxic gas out of their necks. You know it. But that part of the end, like from the crash mm-hmm. until basically you just hear the coming out of his chest, it's super weird and dark and kind of sexy. Just them climbing the bell tower. Like him walking up, he's covered in blood. He's all pissed off. The cops show up. That sequence is absolutely a vibe. It's perfect yeah. the way it is. It's so creepy. I guarantee all those goth chill wave people who were like kids then yes. have made terrible records now oh. because they got like their first weird, like, oh, goose nipples from watching that. And they're like, oh, I want to get a synth. Hell. And also the bat plane. Not not Brian Tepps. The bat plane literally swinging back up. A little bit. Coming in, just going directly into the moon to make the old bat logo. Just for like, it's not the gold logo. It's the old bat logo with the bat plane. And then falling to pick up speed to fucking get back to kill the, like, and not kill the Joker, but to just take out all of his stuff. And I mean, it just has all the beats. It has all of the beats. It is amazingly, amazingly good. And if you're a younger listener in the summer of 1989, when that movie came out, it was across the board bananas. Of my lifetime, it was the first one where I ever really remember that happening. I was not alive for when Star Wars came out or Jaws or something like that, but I was alive for 1989, and my cousin's head, the poster of the Joker on the beach with the dead women next to it, you know, there was bat toys, everything. There was a bat tie-in. Everything was bat mania. It just went crazy that... Michael Keaton was allowed to walk down the street with impunity. If he wanted to punch you in the face, he was allowed. You were not allowed to say anything because he was Michael Keaton. He was Batman. You had to deal with it. Also, Prince was allowed to do that because Prince. Prince was allowed to do that way before that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Jack Nicholson was already doing that. There was nothing you could do about it. So it worked out great. Also, like you said, lots of good character actors in that movie. Billy D. Billy D. <laughs> Billy D. Williams. Lando is. That they could never make the movie where Lando got to truly be Harvey Dent and be Two Face, which I would watch the shit out of that movie. But he's Harvey Dent. It also was clear that it actually was comic book nerds who had made it. They actually loved this property. They actually wanted to make something. And it was the first time that it really tied comic book nerds with just regular people who wanted to see a cool movie. And it worked. It worked great. I think we need to move on into. The 1992, they, of course, have to bring Tim Burton back. They have to. So they bring him back. They pump more money into it. They get, in their minds, in the 1992 Hollywood world, even bigger movie stars than they had before. With Danny DeVito, Michelle Pfeiffer, Christopher Walken. There were rumors that Eddie Murphy wanted to be Robin, which apparently was very close to happening. But they make a movie called Batman Returns. Nick, what is your take on Batman Returns? I am a big fan of Batman Returns. 
But the main problem with Batman Returns is it's like when any artist struggles for a while. (laughs) Sure. And then has a huge success. And they follow it up with something that's a little too self-aware. This was a Batman movie that knew it was a Batman movie. It's also a Christmas movie. It is a Christmas movie. Not written by Shane Black, surprisingly. But <laughs> the first Batman, they were just making a comic movie. They're like, we're going to make it dark. We're going to make it the way we want. We're going to do it. This time they came out, they're like, let's go fucking nuts. <laughs> it's a dead-on impression of Tim Burton. He's from Queens. So <laughs> I really like this movie. I liked that they gave Michelle Pfeiffer a really awesome character. She's, She's the most, most memorable coolest. part of the movie. Danny DeVito also, is fucking amazing. He bites a guy's nose. All all <laughs> pandemic, all pandemic, people keep going, could be worse. I go, I know. Danny DeVito could have bitten off my nose. And they're just customers. They're like, okay, sure, weirdo. And they leave and they never come back. But anyways. That's a good litmus test for people you want to know. Exactly. The ones that come back, give them drugs. Mm-hmm. But it's still a great movie. It's just, it knew it had to be. Yeah. So it was Bigger in certain parts where than it needed to be. Correct. Because like we were talking about earlier, that little part where the penguins at the end march mm. dead Cobb into the water. And this fa- that's so. Just a crumble pot. It's just perfect. And it's so p- nice and small. There's not like, you know, a fucking giant penguin coming through the ceiling. <laughs> and there's not somehow a little man in one of those things that were outside of Kmart's, the, like the horses and shit, driving... The Batmobile on satellites Yes, from his little, what was that, a trailer? Some (laughs) shit. Who cares? It was too much. Trying to explain the plot of Batman Returns is one of the bigger quagmires I've ever entered into. Max Shrek, who also Max Shrek was a famous silent movie producer, which, just so you guys know, Tim Burton loves silent movies, loves expressionism. If you go back into German expressionist stuff, it looks very much so like early Tim Burton stuff. He is a department store owner who is mad at Batman for some reason. And he wants to take over Gotham for capitalism, I think. And in order to do this, he's going to get an old member of the old aristocracy, the one he can get, which is, a circus freak and he's going to get the circus freak and he's going to make him the mayor, which will make him powerful. The only problem is the circus freak is Frank Reynolds from it's always sunny in Philadelphia and he will bite your nose and eat fishes and do whatever the shit he wants. Cause he's the penguin and he'll shoot you with a, like a umbrella shotgun that shoots bananas or I, I'm not entirely sure. And right. You understand, but there's like, no banana shooting, but this is something the penguin would do. Right. And also Catwoman is there. <laughs> she is the only supernatural character we've had so far, truly supernatural, in which she is thrown out a window, but cats lick on her and she comes back to life. Radioactive cats. Radioactive cats, right? And then she's wearing a hot BDSM cat outfit. And then they're all mad at Batman for some reason. And when they try to take over the city, Batman's like, no. Not into it, but I am into Michelle Pfeiffer. So this is going to be a problem. So then at the end, Batman tears his mask off, makes out with Michelle Pfeiffer, and then Michelle Pfeiffer sticks a live wire into Christopher Walken's mouth 
to kill him because he killed Natalie Wood. I'm not entirely sure what the plot of... I'm going to take a stab at this. Yeah. First two things. Uh Uh-huh. Originally, Michael Keaton wanted Kim Basinger's part in Batman to be played by Michelle Pfeiffer because they were dating at the time. Hot. They broke up in 1990, and then she was cast two years later as Catwoman. Second of all, I'm going to go for the... I also have a story on that, but I want to hear Try to describe the plot as outlandish and comical as you made it to be. (laughs) I was literally trying to explain the plot in a way that I remembered. So Max Shrek wants to be mayor, but knows he can't be because he's already more powerful because he owns the energy companies. He's trying to make a monopoly. Right. So the penguin shows up at the tree lighting festival and then he makes him a celebrity so he can run for mayor. He could use him as a puppet Mm. along the way. He kills Michelle Pfeiffer she comes back to life because no reason at all. Correct. And then Michael Keaton doesn't trust Danny DeVito, so he starts tailing him, but he also already knows what Max Streck is doing. So he already have the two plots interwinding, the two villains. Right. And then he just gets in fucking Michelle Pfeiffer's way as she tries to kill Christopher Walken. <laughs> and then all the other stuff ensues. <laughs> and basically... This is why it's so fucking dark is the penguin came back out of the sewers yes. with the circus gang because his parents, one of them, who's by the way, was played by PB Herman, Hell yeah, he threw was. him in the fucking river and he was raised by animals in the sewers. In the so sewer. he comes back <laughs> to Gotham so he become a public figure <laughs> so he can figure this. out who all, I, this is just as dumb as your sound is, <laughs> but this is real. This is how dark this movie is. He goes back to Gotham so he can have access to all the birth records and kidnap all the firstborns in Gotham right. to throw them in the river he's literally on Christmas doing, Day. He's literally doing Passover. He literally is an angel of death. Yeah. Yeah. And Batman has to stop it. I mean, Batman has to stop him. But I got to say, Batman Returns, as good as it looks, as much as I love that they went wild style, as much as I enjoyed those toys and those collector's cups, I saw it in theater And we went and we went with me and my brother and some of our friends. And we took one of our friend's little sisters who wanted to come. We were like, I don't know. It's PG-13. Are you going to be okay? She's like, I'll be fine. When the penguin bit that guy's nose, she ran out of the theater (laughs) screaming. (laughs) And And then she told our moms. And my mom was like, what did you do? And we were like, we told her it was not going to be you, cool. Like, I need to cut you off for a second. Yes. Do you know if she's single and do you have her number? I do not. I do okay. not. I assume, I assume, no, she has a weird fetish for biting people's noses. Yeah, um, that's what happens. This is <laughs> like talking about it now. Yeah. It's a combination of the original Batman. Yeah. And the Adam West Batman. Cause it's like, yes, let's keep it dark, but let's make it less gothy. So yes. it's a little campier. But it's also way more violent in weird ways. Absolutely. Batman blows up like three fucking people. He sets somebody on fire with the jet engine in his fucking sob convertible. And then there's a plot to kill all the firstborns. But at the same time, I mean, it looks how it is. It's fucking campy as shit. Yes. You have Donald Trump Jr. in there as a character. (laughs) Really? And that it starts with a thing where a bunch of clowns trying to take over Christmas and then Batman lights one on fire, which automatically you're like, that's not what Batman doesn't light people on fire. That's his whole thing. It doesn't kill anybody, which granted just being lit on fire doesn't kill you. But 
it feels like if we're going as blockbuster film school, it feels like it got noted to death. Like after that big hit, after they were going to put more money into it, but then a lot more fingers got involved. You know what I'm saying? After I like feel the, the opposite. Oh, interesting. I think they gave oh. Tim Burton free reign and Tim Burton <laughs> like goes, banana. cool. You know what I like? Circuses and Pee Wee Herman and blowing up fucking people and setting and, clowns on fire. And not plots. And not plots. And Danny DeVito looking at Michelle Pfeiffer laying on a bed with a cat while she's in her cat woman outfit oh, yeah. going, oh, that's just the pussy I've been looking for. Feature 13. Nailed it. Nailed it. And I think on that note, we have to move on because- if nothing else, Batman Returns, worth a watch, but extremely flawed. Flawed enough that Not it, extremely flawed. Uh, flawed enough that it made... The first movie made $470 million. It was the fourth highest grossing movie of the 80s, which for movies that came out in the 80s, it literally was the next one. It was like E.T., the two Star Wars that came out in the 80s, and then Batman. It beat Back to the Future. It beat Indiana Jones. I mean, it was a across-the-board, bizarre, worldwide mega hit. And Batman Returns made money, but it was diminishing returns. So I don't know if it was so much fired, so much as it was that they decided they were not going to bring back Tim Burton. Or Tim Burton decides he's not going to do it. And I will say, Tim Burton stays at Warner Brothers. They will try. So it's not like they fired Tim Burton all the way. But I think everybody decides to step away. But they're going to keep the franchise together. So if you want to go back and listen to an episode that I'm very proud of, that I love a lot, a certain Joel Schumacher gets brought in to make a third Batman movie in the franchise, in the Warner Brothers franchise. They're keeping it. It's the same guy playing Alfred. I always try to remember his name. It's Blockbuster Film School. I'll look it up in a second, but I don't remember his name. Uh, And it's a few years later, and in 1995, they make a movie called Batman Forever. Forever. And featuring a Batman who only played Batman once. (laughs) the weakest of all the Batmans, but... Harvey! <laughs> I'll be your Huckleberry. Yeah, um, I'll be your Batman. Why uh, didn't he just play it? He should have just played fucking Doc Hollywood as Batman. <laughs> if he would have... If he would have been... Tombs, if Val Kilmer, Oh, Harvey, didn't we not friends anymore? Why no? Why don't we have a spelling contest? So, they get Val Kilmer, Iceman, from Top Gun, who's at least famous for being very subdued. They make him Batman. They get the biggest movie star in the world at the time, though, to be the Riddler. They get Jim Carrey at the height of Jim Carreyness. I do think it was in poor taste that he did all the riddles out of his ass. <laughs> he did. He made his butthole talk. I mean, to be quite honest, it was very close. Joel Schumacher decided he was going to cover everything in neon. Every I don't give a shit. The food is neon. He's slapping people in the face. More neon! It is fully covered in neon. They get Tommy Lee Jones, a favorite on this. Do your Tommy Lee Jones impression? I don't care! Tommy Lee Jones is Harvey Dent as Two-Face. He takes over Billy D. Williams' role. And they bring in also one of the great movie stars of all time, <laughs> Nicole Kidman, to 
Be, Do we have a Nicole Kidman episode? It's almost like we might have a really great Nicole Kidman episode. Go, Go back, back and listen. listen. Go back and listen. It's really Go back good. back and listen. Please check out all the Blockbuster Film School episodes. They're very good. But Just Nicole Kidman. Just that one. And I'll say this. Financially, it is a massive hit. It is a preposterous, massive hit. Again, Batman is back at the box office, in summer box office, in the mid-Clintonian era. It is a huge, huge hit. Nick, I know we've talked about it before, but uh, Batman Forever. It's like seeing a blacklight poster the day after you were tripping, and it's just a blacklight poster. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, this used to be something. <laughs> as much as I remember it being entertaining to me as a kid when I saw it in the theater, like that first Tim Burton Batman, I remember lines. Every scene. Every scene. Everything stands out. There's something about it. In this one, I think Chris O'Donnell has a Fast and the Furious scene Mm -hmm. with motorcycles. Yes. And then Vin Diesel pops up. He's like, I don't have bad helpers. I got bad friends. Right? Does that what he says? (laughs) I think something. Famous line. It's a bad familia. Also, for the nerds, at that moment, there was a big clamoring for Robin. Okay? Because let's face it. Batman and Robin was a thing. Still a thing. Okay? Batman has a little child servant, possibly sex slave, undeterminate. What is he to you? Is he your ward? Yeah, what is happening? Uh, why do you have this? Robin, uh, Dick Grayson, his name is Dick Grayson, and his parents were acrobats who are murdered, and he also is mad, like Batman. Batman goes, there's an impressionable child I can groom. <laughs> if not a creepy molest scenario... I groom this child to help me beat the shit out of people. Yeah. Which is also dark. But that is a bin Laden <laughs> quote though. <laughs> oh, sure. Children are easier to groom because they don't understand the world yet. So you can, you know, put all kinds of weird thoughts in their head, Catholicism, and they'll believe it. So don't tell your parents. No. <laughs> I'm Batman. And so Robin is in this movie. And everyone was like, ooh, Robin. And it's the guy from the Hua movie. You know, I want to say Robin's in this movie mm-hmm. for no real reason, but I could feel like you could say that about every character in this goddamn movie. Yeah, I know. It's honestly, once again, the Riddler, it falls into this element of a lot of comic book movies where what is the plot? It's the Riddler and Two Face are up to something bad. And it's bad. Batman's got to stop. And guess what? It's going to blow your fucking minds here. Batman stops. <laughs> I got a weird question. I realize this is the Batman movies need this. Otherwise, yeah. <laughs> there won't be Batman. There won't be Batman movies. We have all these criminals yes. who are getting the shit kicked out of them. And their right. whole plan is to take over Gotham. Right. Move. Move. Right. Yeah. Go to another city. Yeah. Go somewhere in That's Iowa. Go where those fucking assholes from Slipknot are. Well, there's a, little, them. there's a little bit of an element, which we didn't bring up. There's a movie called Mask of the Phantasm, which is the first, like, Paul Dini, which is also a theatrical release. It comes out about the same time, which is the Batman the Animated Series, which strangely goes more in the dark, cooler, better written side of the Batman. And in that, one of the scenes that actually stands out to me of Mask of the Phantasm, Mark Hamill as the Joker the second best Joker, third, he's he's up there, right? And there is a scene in which they talk about how, is Batman created because of these characters to stop them? Or is there, they have a weird thing where if Batman didn't exist, 
would they exist? If it was just boring-ass cops trying to stop them, they'd just be boring-ass criminals. But because there's a Batman, well now, well now I have to be mythological as well. And I can't just, if I go to another city and win, that's minor leagues. I gotta beat the big dog. This is the big leagues now. You've created your anti-crime big league Batman. Well, I have to come up with an even bigger league super villain to stop you. And I always appreciated that Batman was always the more psychological of all the weird stuff. And that is Batman anything without the Joker? I don't, there's interesting things to be said. That's not in Batman Forever. It is all stupid. And neon. And some pretty sweet McDonald's collector's cups as well. It is one big McDonald's collector's cup of a movie. Fair. <laughs> Any other thoughts on Batman Forever? No. <laughs> or Mask of the Phantasm? No. <laughs> so it makes an absurd amount of money. And Warner Brothers says, well, Joel, you got that magic touch. Joel Schumacher, you know how to make Batman movies. We're going to give you an even bigger budget. You're going to cover this whole goddamn thing in neon. I want you to cover the earth in neon, you handsome devil. And he's like, yeah, you better fucking believe that shit. And then they make a movie starring every goofy-ass actor in the history of the world and every last Batman character they could think of, as well as, yes, you heard me, George Clooney in Batman and Robin. Nick, what do you think about Batman and Robin? It is the Citizen Kane of Batman films. (laughs) It is a film that is not a Batman movie. It's sort of an homage to terrible filmmaking and cocaine that goes beyond anything anything can. It's like if instead of making Ed Wood, mm. directed by Ooh, Tim Burton, yes, which is amazing, Joel Schumacher said, "You know what I do?" Joel Schumacher, Sham Joel Schumacher decided, "I'm going to make an Ed Wood." Big budget masterpiece. And that's what he did. This movie yes. is like stars and the sky <laughs> and you looking up in Ohio and going, oh, I can see those for the first time. I've never seen those because I've always lived in the orange lights of Chicago. And now I'm stoned in a backyard in Akron, Ohio. And for the first time ever, I am seeing space as large as it possibly can. And I now know love and I know death. And I know what's nothing and what's everything. And I can live with the rest of my life. But then you smoke a cigarette and you're like, fuck, I have to spend the night in Akron, Ohio. Right. And that's the rest of the movie. That's right. Like the first half hour of Batman and Robin makes you appreciate every little aspect of your life. And then the last hour of that, you just start going, ah, fucking just kill me now. It doesn't matter. It's unwatchable. Even Arnold Schwarzenegger's yelling, what killed the dinosaurs? The Ice Age as Mr. Freeze and then spraying a freeze ray. And someone wrote that and got paid for it. It would be a lot cooler. It was like an asteroid. And then he just started throwing pebbles at people. (laughs) That would be cooler. That would be way cooler. That would be way funnier. And 
if you were to tell me that Joel Schumacher was like a sleeper cell who for years had infiltrated his way to destroy Hollywood <laughs> and destroy Batman, that he himself was a meta Batman villain himself of like, I'm going to make sure Batman's memory is the stupidest thing anyone's ever heard of. And I'll spend four decades getting there. Like I would also, that's a better movie. I just yeah. wrote a better movie. Uh, also, that, why are the bat villains already good at their job? Well, yeah. What, what, where's the struggle? Right. Show me. That's it. We just came with a better idea right there. It's what killed the dinosaurs. He goes, an asteroid. And he starts throwing like cold pebbles. <laughs> and then he has to go back and plan. He has to come up with a new idea. I'd rather watch him doing his day job at White Castle and saving the money to go back to be Mr. Freeze. I think the I guess pro- it'd be better if he sold ice cream. I agree. I think the big element is that it finally always at Warner Brothers, they had always kind of had a soft spot for the Adam West Batman. And slowly it had slowly (laughs) grown back over four movies and it finally got back and they finally made a big budget version. He has a bat credit card that is as stupid as bat shark repellent. And at that moment, whatever group of Warner brothers executives who saw the first cut of it were like, Oh, shit. Yeah. And <laughs> You're fired. It would good cause. <laughs> and it would kill the Bat franchise for a while. For a Six while. Six years. But then, as always, Batman, as a bit of a Phoenix character himself, you can never put Batman all the way down. And in a spooky bit, in lots of cool side Elseworld tales in the comic books, even if you kill Bruce Wayne, or even if Bruce Wayne in another life, in another alternate dimension, never lived, or his parents never got killed, there will always be a Batman. There will always be someone who takes on the Bat moniker, Bat girl, Bat robot, Bat dog, whatever it is, something will take on the role of the avenging spirit. And I haven't read all the comic books. Yes. And by all, I mean any. But <laughs> has there ever been a bat bat? A bat bat? Like a giant deformed bat that well, became Batman? What's funny is one of the main villains for Batman is a character called Man Bat, who is a big giant bat. It's terrible. <laughs> it's a ter- it never works. In the, it never works. Yeah. In the, it, they could never do it in the movie because it's so stupid. And it literally goes into the old comic books of just some guy who's getting yelled at of, come up with a better villain. He's like, what if there was a man bat? He's like, Jesus Christ. We got nothing else. All right, let's go. Run it. Fine, man bat. But there would be a hiatus, an almost 10-year-long hiatus on Batman movies. But in 2005, an actual director, Mr. Christopher Nolan, would decide that he is going to make a movie called Batman Begins. And he would bring in a very angry, very talented Welsh man. Yeah. Who will become Batman? You actually have a whole list of problematic actors <laughs> at every stage of this movie. <laughs> that Listen, Batman, is a, he's sort of a problematic character in certain ways. He beats the shit out of people. He has no right to do any of this. Oh, no, that's what the cops are chasing him. He's a mass vigilante. <laughs> yes. He is a d- deranged lunatic. He's fucking nuts. Mm-hmm. Which I love also, which is why we'll talk about it later, but his interactions with other superheroes in comics are so interesting because he's so smart and he's so effective that they can't ignore him. But they're 
all the Wonder Womans and Supermans and Flashes are like, this guy's a fucking lunatic. He's definitely the ODB of <laughs> what would be the Wu-Tang of superheroes. Yes. This guy thinks he's a fucking Batman. Yeah. I don't normally like origin story movies, and I don't think uh, this is going to change greatly in this one, but Batman Begins was certainly a breath of fresh air in the comic book genre. Also, we should posit this, from Batman and Robin as a burn, like, Skylab falling from the sky, taking out stuff as it collapsed in terms of comic book movies. There would be movies like the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies that came out that made big money. There were other comic book hits. And because of that, eventually Warner Brothers would say, well, we still got Batman. Maybe we go in a different direction. I swear that Sam Raimi Spider-Man one more than anything else was like, what if we got some people who maybe made something a little more actual movie. I don't want to say actual movie, something of the time, something a little like a thriller. Something with a plot. Yes. More plot driven, more thriller based. More Alfred Molina. Yes. Yes. Hashtag Doc Ock. And they make Batman Begins. Nick, what's your take on Batman Begins? I really enjoyed Batman Begins. Yeah. Until I saw The Dark Knight and I was like, I can't watch this shit again. <laughs> but um, it's an actually entertaining origin story that I kind of wanted I enjoyed watching yeah I think Katie Holmes has never been able to act but she's very adorable she's adorable in it Michael Caine's great I love Killian Murphy also this starts Christopher Nolan's love affair with these actors and just using them in everything all the time Morgan Freeman Ken Watanabe Rutger Hauer Tom Wilkinson Gary Oldman and Liam Neeson uh, I know, but him as Rachel Ghoul is maybe the worst because Rachel Ghoul is supposed to be like an ancient, like Egyptian. You know, it's well, he brings up there is no Rachel Ghoul. He's just right, which the I, leader which is, is a thing. Yeah. You're right; it, it's a name. He's like an ancient. He never dies. Which you know, maybe he yeah. takes on different names. He's like a Highlander. But honestly, I think the biggest thing that came out of it was the change where Alfred had been just sort of a doddering old fool. Now, all of a sudden, it is more like the comics where his real dad is a dangerous, himself, Batman. Michael Caine is so fucking good. Oh, man. Like, and I love that Christopher Nolan, he was like, more so than even Batman, he registered that Alfred may even be a more interesting character. Than Batman. He's the polite psychopath. Yes. He was the Batman in war. In, and as a mercenary. Yes. He was out in the real shit. He wasn't <laughs> parking the Batmobile by mm-hmm. a Quiznos and then beating up a heroin addict with a knife. Mm. I also appreciated that because Christopher Nolan is such a talented director, he flips it and makes it a real action movie and makes it so that this is a weird, demented Jason Bourne type character. He is a person who has decided to get so psycho he'll split his personality into two and really takes on the very cool comic book thing in which all the other superheroes, Peter Parker is Spider-Man, right? But Peter Parker is him, right? Bruce Wayne is not a real person. Bruce Wayne is a mask that Batman wears. There is no Bruce Wayne. Like, it is only Batman. And that truly creates this thing. And also, as Super Producer Brian Tapps is informing us as well, the 
Christopher Nolan, a sort of half Chicagoan. His mom was from Chicago. His dad was from London. He grew up in London. His brother grew up in Chicago, who ended up being a weird criminal as well, who escaped from Cook County Jail, which, and then co-wrote some of his movies with A him. lot of his movies with Yes. Him. A very interesting character himself, Mr. Nolan. But he filmed Batman Begins, and we'll talk about The Dark Knight in a moment, but in Chicago, which we're all Chicagoans for the vast majority of our lives, and uh, it's a little bit Gotham City. There's a little corruption, a little crime here. I'm sorry, did you say a little corruption? <laughs> Just a touch. You do remember the dailies, right? Yeah, just a little violence. Oh, no, there's no... He once avoided a question about being an asshole by going, that guy's bald. Next question. Yeah. I put my pants on one pant at a time. I do other things. I go one side, the other side. I tell you how to do your job. Yeah. Next question. You know why that's not illegal? Because in the middle of the night, I held, I got it together, the representatives of your district, and we changed the law. Next question. Uh, Google... Uh, Google. Richard M. Daly employees who disappeared. Just, yeah. yeah, that's a fun Google. Google Migs Field. Oh, yeah. just just Google that. No weirdness in that. Also, oh, what's his name? Who plays the crime boss? He's like very Eric hand- Roberts. Eric. Is not in, he's not in that. A little, just a touch. Eric Roberts. Is Batman there. Begins. Yeah. Where he's in He's in there just a little bit, but he will like because Falcone is in the comics the main crime boss. He's like the Al Capone in the. The Batman story. But you know that Christopher Nolan also, at the very least, has read the comics. <laughs> he at least understands an element, but he's still going to make a really cool movie. And I felt there was a little too much CGI. I felt, obviously, that the Rachel Ghoul stuff was a little goofball. I thought Batman Begins was good. It wasn't my favorite. I still liked the Tim Burton Batman more. It was a huge hit. The budget was $150 million. It made $375 million at the box office, which is good. But it was enough, though, where they would make a sequel for sure. And, Nick, do you have any other takes on Batman Begins before we... Yeah. Uh, did I ever tell you that I was so high when I saw Batman Begins, I wound up in the newspaper? <laughs> no. So, real fast. Oh, God. Brian, cut this out if you want, but... <laughs> Statue of limitations. Opening weekend of Batman Begins, my friend Tim had some weed that his friend's dad sold him that he brought back from Amsterdam. Of course. So we smoke in the parking lot. We go in there. We are high as a fucking kite. We got scared by the carpets in the fucking entryway. And then we sat through two and a half hours of this. Every time the Scarecrow's drugs did that thing, one of us went, ah! To the point where we got yelled at, <laughs> and then that person wrote a letter to Roger Ebert because in the Sunday Sun Times, oh, awesome Ebert would answer. Oh, I, ask I Ebert. remember this. Yes, yeah. and one of the things was in there. Is there anything we can do? Like, why don't movie theaters do better things about people who are obviously on drugs and disturbing <laughs> the people who are there? And then describe. I was in a. I saw the movie opening weekend in LaGrange. We, I live by Midway. We went out to the big movie theater because that's where the tickets were left, yeah. out in LaGrange, and described me, Tim, and his sister just being – and, like, the exact scenes. And I was just, like, in my grandmother's house reading this on a Sunday. And I just start laughing. And then my dad goes, what are you laughing at? I'm like, do the slow head turn. I'm like, nothing. <laughs> and then I ripped out the whole page – 
with everybody. My whole family was just ripped up the whole page where they're watching, stuck in my pocket. I was like, I'm not saying anything. And then we just like, nobody discussed it. This is an origin story for a Batman villain. Yeah. <laughs> I showed it to these jackasses and they're like, oh, wow, we're famous for being stoners. So whenever I think about Batman Begins, I don't really think about the movie. I think about me being so high, I wound up in the sun time. That's fair. My big beef with the Batman Begins is that they're more so than any other Batman movie. There are these like Reaganomics sort of bullshit plot points in it where there's just never ending people. Oh, you should do something with your wealth. You should do something with your, and there's this sort of, and maybe it's my own personal beef, but there is way more of, oh, Bruce Wayne and Wayne Industries and rich people should save the poor people and they should do something. And don't get me wrong, if you have money, you should do things to lift other people up. But this weird thing where you would then turn into a violent maniac with weapons and nonsense, it felt very strange and very, uh, I don't know how to put it, uh, fascist. So Batman Begins, I came out of it and I, I don't even know if I really enjoyed Batman Begins all the way. I thought it was fine, but I will say this. Two years later, they would make another Christopher Nolan movie, another Christopher Nolan Batman movie. And even at the time, I had a strangely weird connection once again to me as a kid where I saw a poster in a movie theater probably a year before it came out. And it was that poster of Heath Ledger, just why so serious and him covered in makeup and the stringy hair and the gun in that same way that I had seen that fucking insane Tim Burton one. I, as a 20-something-year-old man, said to myself, oh, 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 shit, this is something else. I have to see this. I have. I know I didn't really like Batman Begins, but this is... And then that trailer came out, and there's him hanging out of the window, and I had to see it. And Nicholas, the Dark Knight is something else. I would say, in my argument, in that same way, it's one of those ones that's up there on the argument with the Tim Burton Batman of like the best Batman movie. It's the Empire Strikes Back. It really is. It really is. And as I was just saying, before we go into a full talk about it, I think the weird story of the Joker as possibly some sort of special forces Iraq veteran who is a maniac now, who that. Christopher Nolan even registered how sort of Republican Batman is and that he was going to make a Joker who is not necessarily, he's definitely a nihilist and a psychopath, but he has a different reason why you might relate to him. And I understand that now we've created lots of problems because of the Keith Ledger Joker, but it's still so compelling that it literally has created worldwide problems. It's not the best way to sell this movie. <laughs> But it's not our fault dumbasses take cool art and turn it into bullshit. But what's your take on The Dark Knight, Nick? Love it. I lo yeah. My mom has no attention span. I brought over the DVD, 
and they have that opening scene, which also the opening scene is amazing. Yes. And also Christopher Nolan said the biggest influence to this movie was Michael Mann's Heat. Hell yes. Heat is one of my favorite movies. The scene where they're in the jail cell, that's the coffee scene. There's so many other scenes from Heat that relate the to parts scene, of this movie. The heist. The, it starts oh, with the heist with It masks. opens with the heist. Everyone's wearing the clown mask. I showed this to my mother. Her ADD kicks in so hard. Who's that? What is that to do? What do they do? I'm like, all right, we're going to turn this off. We're going to watch this another day. And I brought it back on another day when she was a little tired. <laughs> She's like, put it on. I'll fall asleep. I've never seen her watch a movie and say, until Mad Max Fury Road, I've never seen her watch a movie with it saying so little. Mm. It was amazing. It's captivating all the way through. You watch it. It's also, this is the thing. Batman exists in a cycle. Yeah. He starts off dark and moody and goth and then turns into like giant cod pieces. Batman Begins was dark, but it wasn't moody. Dark Knight is dark and moody. Mm. And then eventually it goes back to Justice League, which is comic book. This is the sweet spot. Agreed. And not to get too mega nerdy, but there's this concept of being Lyconic, right? Which literally comes from the ancient Greek culture of the Spartans, right? Which didn't refer to themselves as the Spartans. That's what the Athenians referred to them as. They referred to themselves as Lycans, wolf people, right? And the idea of being Lyconic was that they did appreciate this idea of being funny and pithy, but very short, right? And very kind of almost psychotic. And so if you're being Lyconic, it's truly Batman in this sense where like, what are you, man? I'm Batman. And- in Batman Begins, in Batman Forever, there's no Lyconicness at all, really. And What's then, the difference between me and you? I'm not wearing hockey pads. Like, truly, this little, just instantly Lyconic. And I was like, and then he just gets in, and like a Transformer gets into the thing and flies. I was like, oh shit, Lyconic Batman has returned. And... There is no other Batman than the Lyconic Batman. If he doesn't do his pithy, almost viciously mean, funny joke, weird shit, is he Batman? Is it Batman? Like, no. And the second that it was like, I'm not wearing hockey pants, I was like, okay. Yeah, oh, it's just, they and, nailed it. And then to flip it as the Joker is the opposite, the Joker is the anarchist, chaotic, evil, like... You want to see a magic trick? And then he walks in to a a room full of evil dudes and puts a pencil into a table. And then a guy gets up to beat him up. And then he grabs the guy's head, shoves his eye into the pencil. The guy falls over and goes, he's gone. <laughs> like, as a it's a magic trick. And then he opens his jacket and there's he's attached a bunch of grenades to his hand as a joke. As a joke, it's a joke. I've got an entire jacket full of grenades. I, I'll put it this way. As we talked about in that first Tim Burton Batman movie, where you remember every scene, I remember every scene of The Dark Knight. Yeah. As well. And I know it kind of hits some Christopher Nolan third act problems where it gets into like the boats and the thing and, but it's still amazing. 
It's still great. And also it, it gets into conundrums of the Batman because of the Joker, Batman becomes more psycho and he has this system that even Lucius Fox is like, this is too crazy. You shouldn't create Facebook so that you can watch everyone all the time because that's psycho, but he does it anyway. And it's intriguing. It's truly pushing a boundary and pushing something else. And I miss Heath Ledger every single day that I watch movies because I don't know. Heath Ledger should still be around making movies. And uh, that's on you, Olsen Twins. <laughs> I don't know. What what other uh, Batman, <laughs> what other Dark Knight takes you got, Nick? So there's a scene where this cop walks up to the truck driver before they get like into position. And he's like, you can't park here, buddy. And then the Joker leans across in the passenger seat and just shoots him. Mm. Before anybody says anything, just like this weird like shine sound. It's mm. so weird. It's like this weird like glimmer sound on the soundtrack. It's my favorite moment in that movie. It's just like a weird special mm. effect, but it is so moody. It is so atmospheric. You know whatever is about to happen is going to be insane because the next part is when he's shooting on the side of the semi-truck. Oh. It's the best part of the movie. Which is also why maybe this is one of the more like iconic Chicago movies ever because it really... They flip a fucking semi-truck. Yeah. On Lake. On Lake. It's amazing. <laughs> but there's just that little like... Like they do it so well. Is this Zimmer? Yeah. Yeah. Also. And like it reminds me of like Texas Chainsaw Massacre a little bit, but like... They didn't know what they were doing. They were right. just fucking around. Hans Zimmer's like, oh, so this next part's going to be a horror movie. Right. Like the, the Zimmer. I don't know what that was. No, but like the, the way Zimmer's score works for the Nolan Batman movies where it's pacing, it's moving, it's marching, but it's not your traditional comic book or super orchestral score. It's almost closer to techno or something. It's got this more driving beat sort of like this sort of very pushy sort of feel to the music all the time. I don't know. That's my take on, but I agree with you of the sound effects. I think that's what it won Oscars for was like sound mixing and things like that. I mean, and also that Heath Ledger won a post-death. I don't know. (laughs) Posthumous. Posthumous. Oscar as the Joker, because also for children, if you weren't alive in that moment, there was a summer of the dark night. There was a moment where wearing a why so serious t-shirt was a thing that people wore. And there was a, a moment where the dark night sort of took over. I saw it three times in the theater. I saw it three times. I saw it opening day at the, there was a 9am screening. They don't show movies at 9 a.m. unless they know they're going to make a shit ton of money right. by showing it as early as possible and as late as possible. Right. I was on a roof in Pilsen partying all night <laughs> and forgot I was supposed to go see it with my friend, Eddie. He called me, goes, where are you? I go, I'm on fucking 18th Street. What are you doing? He goes, I'm at your house. You're not there. I'm like, it's 730 in the morning. He goes, well, we got to get there for seats. I'm like, you meant 9 a.m.? I am fucked up. I've been up all night. He's like, well, I'm coming to get you. Pick me up in Pilsen. We went out to LaGrange. Oh, Jesus. Because I was still living on the south side. I was in Midway. Out to that theater, <laughs> the same place where I wound up in the newspaper from. Yes. We wound up in the last row, in the last seats available. He was this very large, slender man, so he got over his seat no problem. I drunkenly <laughs> fell. He had to literally pull me off the floor while I was stuck. 
I've never been that way again. And then not only that, the people next to me were stuck. There's no other seats. They couldn't go anywhere. I smelled like cigarettes, <laughs> weed, booze, and whatever else I smelled like. And like, I started off that two and a half hours with them by falling and getting stuck on the floor. <laughs> well, and then it was just, you know, after that's, but that's the thing though. Yeah. That's how it go. That's how it went yeah. until the movie started. D- Dave that Lee- movie was so good. It didn't matter that I smelled like cat piss and probably really cheap whiskey. Dave Lugo called me at fucking like nine o'clock in the morning and said, Hey, I have a IMAX ticket. Like my girlfriend doesn't want to go. Do you want to go? And I was like, uh, yeah, Dave, I want to go. And we saw it at 10 o'clock in the morning in the IMAX and the theater was beyond packed. Oh yeah. It was like mayhem. Me and Dave were sitting in like the second row. Cause I love you, Dave, but we're always late to anything you want me to do with you. Like for real. <laughs> and it was amazing. It was <laughs> one time Dave told me to go meet him at that bar in Milwaukee. <laughs> He's like, oh, I started at 10. I'm like, cool. I got there at 10, 15, 10, 20. He still wasn't there. I drank by myself until yeah. 11. <laughs> I'm like, I thought you said you started at 10. He goes, yeah, I know I did. <laughs> All right. Okay. Dark Knight is transcendent. It really is. It's ridiculously transcendent, but we're gonna go the rest of this shit. Well, yes, we'll, t- we'll we'll go through these, but I think the big problem, truly, for the Christopher Nolan ones is they don't ever get to have their third act culmination because R.I.P. Heath Ledger. That's a big problem. Heath Ledger dies before the movie even comes out. Movie is finished, but before the movie even comes out, Heath Ledger passes away. Two thousand twelve. Nolan completes his contract and makes The Dark Knight Rises with Tom Hardy. Like, it will hurt very much. <laughs> I'm doing a sort of sound. And it has Anne Hathaway in it. It has Marion Cotard. It has. It was usually great. Uh, it has tons of amazing. Joseph Gordon Levitt is, spoiler alert, Robin. Secretly. He's secretly Robin. They don't film it in Chicago because at that point, Rom comes in and is a dildo about it. So they film it in Pittsburgh. Great job, Rom. And Hans Zimmer still does the music. Wally Pfister still does the cinematography. Still looks great, but is kind of dumb. There's a nuclear weapon. He breaks his back, and then he, like, 10 minutes later, he's fine. He does that. Yeah, right. Right. Which also, the Bane story could be cool. The Bane is, that literally, in the comics, Bane is smarter, tougher, faster than Batman. He's Batman, but evil, right? He's rich. He's smart. He's on steroids. He's fucking Batman, but faster and smarter and evil. And it's an interesting foil to Batman. That's not what they do. So... I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah. 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 I've never seen it all the way through in one shot. Yeah. The most I saw was on a failed Tinder hookup. Mm. We're like, oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Yeah. And then we started like fooling around. And then <laughs> I don't know. There was like a phone call. And then she answered the phone. I just sat there. I was like, I don't want to watch this. I'm going to go. <laughs> She's like, wait. I'm like, you're on the phone with your boyfriend, aren't you? And she's like, 
yeah, hold on. I was like, I got to go. All right, this is weird. Okay, but The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises, both were made for about $200 million. They both made a bill at the box office, a full billion at the box office. Now, normally you say diminishing returns, but The Dark Knight made $1.081 bill. The Dark Knight Rises made $1.1 bill at the box office. Made for about the same amount of money. Granted, The Dark Knight was so dope. It's coming, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's the sequel to the movie everybody wanted. People were excited. Yeah. That's all it was. People were excited. And ticket prices went up in four years. Mm -hmm. And also, I don't know, Nolan steps away. Nolan says, I'm done. I'm done now. This is the end of this. Christian Bale says, I'm going to go yell at people in other movies. And Terminator Salvation, I love you. Are you taking for the days of me? You're doing to me. That's my Christian Bale impression. I don't think you know how Welsh people sound. So, 2016 will be the first time we would see Batman. It'd be four years later. And it would be Batman in court against Superman. Batman v. Superman. Dawn of Justice. Also, if you're not a Patreon follower, please listen to our Patreon. We have a Patreon in which I shit on Zack Snyder for being a moron. We shit on Zack Snyder. That is correct. Zack Snyder is maybe the greatest hack in the history of Hollywood. And uh, Nick has some super great takes on it. And I think you should listen to it. But Batman vs. Superman. Nick, any hot takes? Let's let's blow through this. uh, What you got? I would rather... I don't know how gruesome to get. <laughs> I saw this in theaters, by the way. Jesus Christ. I went all over Oh, I this. remember. You've told this story. Yeah, I told this story. Like, I'm not going to do it again. That's all right. I'm going to quote oh, Leslie Nielsen. Nielsen from The Naked Gun and say that watching this movie is like hopping onto a bicycle that doesn't have a seat. <laughs> I would rather do that again than watch this movie. Yeah. Which implies that I've done that before. I would rather jump on a bicycle with no seat than watch this movie again. I would. Okay. If I'm truly trying to be fair, then some of Zack Snyder's stuff looks good. It looks good. Some of it has some interesting shit. And that's almost more infuriating is that there's interesting shit in it that just is never completed, never works. It's like a triple hack. You are able to lure me in enough to watch some of this and then make it suck so hard that I hate you. How is that possible? How could you, like, be good enough so that I could care a little bit and then just smash it into the ground and it sucks? Also, I've talked about this with him and the Watchmen, him and a lot of different stuff, but, like, Batman doesn't kill people. That's his whole thing. That's his whole... Granted, it's psychotic even in that element where he'll cripple a guy. He'll cripple... He's fine with that. Traumatic brain injury. If he can't walk, he can't steal. Like, that's fine. But that's his ethos. Because if someone would have crippled his dad, he wouldn't have been as pissed off, okay? But they murdered his parents. So he doesn't do that. He doesn't murder. He is not a murderer. He will stomp dudes' spines. He does not care. This movie, he kills lots of people. Yeah, he does. He kills lots and lots of people. He's branding motherfuckers. (laughs) He's, He's just myrtleizing the shit out of everyone. And also super dark 
that maybe he's turned, Zack Snyder has maybe turned an entire generation of children against the egalitarian superhero Superman, that Superman also murders people and is a dick. The two of them get into a fight, and the only reason they don't kill each other is because their moms have the same name, which is the most, like, literally, when two psychopaths fight, you know what I'm saying? Like, if Dahmer's fighting Gacy, and then they find out that their moms have the same name, they're like, oh, shit. And we both love to rape and murder boys. Oh, it literally, that's the ending of that fucking movie. And then an Israeli war criminal shows up. That fucking movie sucks and is trash. Yep. It's garbage. I literally yelled in the middle of the movie. When there was half an hour left, I just put my head on the seat in front of me and just screamed. That's right. That's the correct response to that movie. Here's the other one. I like Ben Affleck. I think he's a very talented director. I think he's a very talented actor. I think that Ben Affleck could have made a great Superman. I think he could have made a great Superman movie. But the fact that Warner Brothers came under this spell of Zack Snyder ruined possibly decades, possibly forever, DC Comics movies. I won't go that far. I mean, maybe not forever, but definitely as Marvel was going into their mode of being awesome, they doubled down on Zack Snyder and they look like they look like double A. They look like double A baseball. You also said Superman. Yeah. Superman. Well, Batman v Superman. I'm just saying. Like the whole thing. The whole, all the DC characters, Batman, Superman, Aquaman, <laughs> Jason Momoa, not knowing how to talk, being very handsome, not knowing how to speak correctly. Oh, I'm not Aquaman. It's like Look, Stallone did it kind of, and I guess you're the also, new Stallone. I didn't, I didn't see Aquaman. Where he's from? Do they speak Spanish? <laughs> he, they, don't, they don't speak anything. They speak moron. All right. So, Suicide Squad. Yeah, watch him punch a woman. Yeah. Although, Margot Robbie, I kind of liked later, kind of liked that Harley Quinn movie. <laughs> it was kind of good. Let Margot Robbie be in charge of the DC movies. And also, I feel like, though, we're coming out now. In a little bit. The Lego Batman movie. Never seen it. You seen it? I liked it. <laughs> it's funny. I liked and, it a lot. And Arnett as Batman. It's fun. Yeah. I feel like something different's happening, except for Justice League. I didn't see it. Last gasp of the Zack Snyder, I think. So many people lost their shirt. They made that movie cost so much money and it didn't make its money. It tried to take on the Avengers head on. It didn't do it. It didn't work. But then, now whether you like it or not, there will be a different sort of DC moving forward because a movie that did make money was Todd Phillips and Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. And I know that it's a little bit Marty Scorsese karaoke, but it's at least something different. It's at least, what if we hired real actors? And had something different going on. I don't know. What you, what's your take on Joker, Nick? I don't like it. I'd rather watch You Were Never Really Here or fucking Inherent Vice. Master or Inherent Vice. I He's played all of these roles before. Like, he just combined the Master and You Were Never Really Here into some fucking weird... He was basically the machinist. That is fair. But I think I liked it a little more than you did. I didn't think it was complete garbage. I really liked Joaquin in it. I thought he was good, but he wasn't, he was rehashing old shit in a movie that was not worth 
his talent and time. However, I understand that to an element, but as an upstart thing where Todd Phillips and maybe some of these other guys are trying to do something a little different with the DC properties at Warner brothers. And he does this and this makes a bunch of money. And this is clearly not the big muscles, big veiny cocks. Cause literally Zack Snyder's like weird homoeroticism. Like, look, if you're going to be homoerotic, like let's do it. Okay. But I could straight up see Ben Affleck's veins in his cock when he's Batman. Okay. I could see like, ooh, like, ooh, like he's just, oh, the vein. Everyone's got the veiniest cocks, like, oh, just nonstop vein cocks. And Joker is not that. It's weird. It's definitely weird. And it's, it's not a really good weird. Right. But you have to admit that there is a reason that the 2022. Our Pat's Batman. They probably don't make that if Joker doesn't make that money. That was already greenlit before that. I know. But they already were starting to move in a different direction. And they put more money into the budget for the Our Pat's Batman when Joker made what it did. And if there can be an Our Pat's Batman with a Joaquin Joker, that's a very weird, different thing. Because let's face it, the DC movies, when they really work best, in my opinion, it's more like the Tim Burton Batman. It's more like the Dark Knight. It's don't try to compete with Marvel. Don't try to do that. Be the weirder mayhem side. Be the something that's more strange and different and not what people are expecting. I don't care about DC movies. I only watch the Batman ones. I didn't start watching the Marvel movies until Thor. Right. I don't have a fight in this. If the rest of them are better at that, that's cool. But like that Joker movie just was not. Let me ask you a question though. Yeah. Would you watch an R. Pat's Batman Joaquin Joker movie? I would, but I'm going <laughs> to watch a Batman movie no matter what. That is fair. And also you should watch that Batman trailer for R. Pat's because look, I'm super psyched about it. If you don't listen to Blockbuster Phillips Cool, we like R. Pat's. He's an amazing actor. And I think this is the first time, in my opinion, since, I mean, Christian Bale's a pretty good actor, but maybe since the original 89 Batman, that you've really had like a transcendent actor, maybe ever be Batman. You know what I mean? Like somebody who can really do things that other people can't do. Well, We've got up to this moment. You want to do a Blockbuster Film School wall? Yeah. It's time for the Blockbuster Film School wall. Okay, let's do favorite Batman, favorite villain. Let's do it. Who's your favorite Batman? Favorite Batman Batman is Michael Keaton. (laughs) As well as mine. Agreed. And what's your favorite villain? Now, this is the more interesting one. Favorite villain is Arnold Schwarzenegger. No. As Mr. Freeze. Oh, I know who it is for you. Come on. Favorite Batman villain is Killian Murphy. Really? Yep. Over Jack Nicholson? Yeah. I will say, I like Killian Murphy in that a lot. And I like the. You, you go back in time. Mm-hmm. You smoke weed from Amsterdam. Yes. You go see this movie when you should have been in public. <laughs> 
and you watch him give you Good something call. to trip off of and tell me that's better than Jack Nicholson All, being himself. Also, I like that the Scarecrow is just kind of almost like uh, an ancillary character and that he he just pops up to scare the fuck out of people. I mean, and yeah, no, I, I love the Scarecrow and I love Cillian Murphy. I agree. I agree. My beef was my bigger argument in my head of whether it's Jack Nicholson or it's Heath. And Heath wasn't a bad guy. He's a bad guy. Now nah. they're all bad guys. They're all bad. That's what I love about Batman, though, is that they're all bad guys, and that in the other comic book things, you need a bad guy to deal with the worst of the bad guys. So the bad guys for Batman are the worst. They're murderers, rapists, psychopaths, terrorists, killers. And so only a true maniac can deal with that. Send a maniac to catch a maniac. And that's why Batman is such a fascinating character. And that's why like Superman is worried about Batman. Cause it's like, this guy's a complete psycho and we don't know how to deal with him. And he probably has an entire worldwide satellite network that's watching us all the time because he is crazier than he even registers. And that Batman is the ultimate villain, even though you side with him. But literally, just because you shot a rich kid's parents, he now is more dangerous. He's, I'm doing good. I'm the good guy. It's like, are you, are you the good guy? <laughs> really? Like you got all of your girlfriends killed. You get all of your butlers killed. You get everybody. You are involved in the most dangerous, hyper violent shit. But that's why he's Batman. Cause it's goth. Cause it's dark. He is the Vlad Dracul of superheroes. Like you want some, you're going to have to come down in the cave with the bats. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I don't know. So you, who's your pick? It's still Jack Nicholson. It still is like, Get these wonderful toys. I have wanted to tear up a museum my entire life. Not because I like hate art or anything, but doesn't everybody have that weird urge when you're in a place where you're not allowed to touch anything that you just want to like push stuff over? Like, and you're like, you're not allowed to do that. You have to be cool and not do that. And the idea of a character who's like, I've decided against that entirely, like, and shove over priceless sculptures. It's an interesting if I absolutely had to choose on my blockbuster wall, I would just Tim Burton, Batman, and The Dark Knight. If I had to choose two for my wall, they would be Batman Returns and <laughs> Batman and Robins, because I don't care what people rent. And also, we have to put out Batman and Robin, R.I.P. Joel Schumacher, is one of the craziest things that Hollywood has ever put out. It is bad. But it is so bonkers and so 90s and so nonsense, you will never, ever in the history of your lives get to see exactly <laughs> the hubris that is Batman and Robin. I agree with that entirely. All right, team. That was our Batman episode. Whether you like him or you hate him. Nick, let me ask you a question. If someone was robbing you in a dark alley, right? Someone stuck you up. Would you rather have Batman or Superman save you? I mean, neither. I'm just. I'm gonna bite that person in the neck. <laughs> I'm just saying. Give them whatever I have. If one of them popped up, who would you rather have? I don't know. I don't want to watch anybody get murdered. No. <laughs> neither. Neither of them is gonna murder anybody. I just. I don't want to watch anybody get turned into a paraplegic. 
is also fair. I'm still upset because a bird flew into my car and it died. <laughs> was it my fault? I want to watch some fucking drug addict who can't get into a methadone program. Right. This is also why, like, yes, that is a very fair point. Is these movies like, oh, some poor people, like, tried to steal some money? Like, yeah. oh, no, they have to get beaten by a, by a rich also, guy in a bad costume. That's the other thing. Robbing me, it's like, oh, shit, and I still have to rob somebody else. That is very fair. But I suppose it's the element. It's like Batman incites fear. Superman incites hope. It's this weird, it's a weird litmus test, but I agree. I appreciate your answer because I also sort of, I don't want anybody like getting beat on necessarily, but Superman would just grab them. Yeah. He <laughs> would just, just be like, throw and them. You, no, I just grab them. And they're just like, ah, like, ah, but then they would get put Depends into the prison directing system. Batman that night. <laughs> right. Oh, if, if Zack Snyder's there, he punches a hole through his head and is like, now is when I put my dick in you. Like, it's real. like, and you're like, Zach, what are you talking about? Why does Superman have a black costume? What's happening? Why is Superman evil? He's like, because everybody's evil. Everybody, I don't know. Anyway, Batman's gotten in our heads. That's happened. All right, everybody. This is Blockbuster Film School. I hope you enjoy it. Please check us out on Patreon. If you want to throw us a couple bucks, if you're still listening, check us out on Instagram. And uh, I'm Alex Bonner with Super Producer Brian Taps, and of course, the star of the show, Mr. Nicholas Souder. Any final Batman thoughts? Stay well in areas, kids. <laughs> I'm not wearing hockey pads. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening to Blockbuster Film School.